Yeah, I would say let's get cracking and maybe first you could introduce yourself. Sure. So again, Daniel, thanks for having me on to my Fluent podcast. My name is Alastair Budge. I am from the UK originally. I grew up in lots of different places actually in the UK. My father is Scottish, my mother's English, um, and we've lived in, in, in lots of different areas of the country. So when people ask me where I'm from, I, I say the UK because there's lots of different answers to that question. But I now live in Malta, which for those of your listeners who might not know where Malta is, and I was certainly in this category before I moved here, um, it's a small island about 100 kilometers south of Sicily, uh, south of Italy. So right in the middle of the Mediterranean. And perhaps your listeners might know about it because it's quite a big center for people coming to, to learn English. There's lots of English schools here. And it's a sort of fun place for people to come and study English if they don't want the, the English weather or the, the costs of living in London. Um, so yeah, I've been here for about five years now. Like you, I have a podcast. Um, it's called English Learning for Curious Minds. And I, I know we're going to talk about it a bit later, but um, that is my brief introduction to me, who I am and, uh, and my life. Thank you, Alistair. Yeah, and I heard about that, that Malta is well known for learning English. And you also mentioned that it is near Italy, right? So mm. do you speak Italian? I do. Yeah. My wife is from Italy, but I actually, I, I studied French and Italian at university. And um, it, it is a slightly strange uh, set of events. I grew a little bit disheartened with Italian when I was studying it because I was thinking, you know, this, this is never going to be useful to me and maybe it'll be fun if I go on holiday to Italy or, um, or, or whatever. And then I, I met my wife and it suddenly became more useful. So uh, yes, I, I, I do speak Italian. Okay. And that means that in the beginning, you kind of had troubles to, to learn Italian. Right? Yeah. I, I, so I guess I learned it formally um, at a university and formal language learning, I think it can work well for some people. For me, I need to be really interested in what I'm learning about and I need to have a specific reason to to do it because um, just learning grammar and vocabulary on its own for me is not a super interesting way to learn. So I needed to, to really find something that helped me um, get into the language. And for French, for example, I got really into the, um, the works of Balzac and his sort of series of almost 90 books called the Comédie Humaine, like the, the human comedy. Um, and I kind of became obsessed with that and a uh, similar thing with, with Italian. I got really into Dante and found that as a very interesting kind of route into into the language i, I guess my struggle uh, is mainly around motivation right if yeah, you're <laughs> uh, if you don't have a a strong kind of reason yeah. that you want to get into something it's, it's hard to motivate yourself yeah and of course there were no podcasts then when you were learning italian and french right i started university in 2006 um, mm, so, yeah. you know, it, it was sort of before 
people had smartphones or um, before I think iPhone came out in 2007. And um, I, I simply didn't know about podcasts as a okay. as a tool. It was not something that anyone ever talked about. I didn't know anyone who listened to podcasts at the time, especially for language learning. Um, uh, like none of my course mates or anything or anyone li- listened to podcasts. But I always found the mix of kind of audio textual stuff very very useful because you're you're both listening and you're having what you've heard reinforced when you're being able to 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 read it on a page and so i transferred that experience and use that i had found from the mixture of audio and text to to, to podcasts when i when i started started my own okay i see so this was kind of your main method to to learn languages, or were there other methods? Well, at universities in the UK, you're you're not really given a huge amount of work. It sounds like a strange thing to say, but if you're a languages student, you're kind of told to to start, and then you're given a little bit of uh, stuff to do, but you kind of return four years later after various exams and stuff, and you're almost expected to have to have done it yourself. I was probably not the ideal student. I'm happy to admit, admit that now. But yeah, I, I, had, I had a lot of success, I guess, with, um, with, with like listening to, to radio, I guess, which is a similar idea to podcasts. Just, just um, you've got to, uh, you know, you, you can't repeat or anything. And yes, kind of listening, I think, is hugely beneficial and often overlooked by people. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And the question now is, why exactly should we learn with podcasts? So I think that podcasts have got some fantastic benefits that um, uh, that probably most people aren't completely aware of. Um, so, so number one, there's just such a huge variety of podcasts available. So if you're a football fan, there are podcasts about football. If you want to learn about history, there's there's hundreds or thousands of history-based podcasts. There's certainly something for, for everyone. Um, they are accessible anywhere at any time. So slightly different to the radio where you, you know, at least 15 years ago, you'd have to turn on, hope there was something that was interesting. And there was very limited possibility to follow along with subtitles or, or, or transcripts or anything like that. So one of the reasons I'm so excited about the possibilities of podcasts is the the flexibility that they offer. And I think when combined with things like transcripts and vocabulary, and when podcasts are turned into a um, a learning resource, I think that's when people really unlock the the power of podcasts. So what I know that lots of people do is just sort of put one on in the in the background when they're shopping or you know, going for a run or driving or something like that. And they're kind of listening um, passively, which can be great because you, you're kind of getting some English input for free, really. You're, you're doing something else and, and learning at the same time. But where I think you can kind of, you can take it up a notch, you can really get more out of them is by starting to treat them as a kind of learning resource and a as a discrete learning activity so 
doing things like saying, you know, every every day I'm going to sit down for 20 minutes and focus completely on this particular episode. Or, and I'm going to sit down with my with my pen and I'm going to note down interesting words or phrases. I'm going to make a, a point of pausing and going back. I will do an ex- exercise at the end of it where I might try and record myself and talk about my own thoughts about um, what I've heard. I, I think that's where you really start to gain the most benefit from them. And when you're turning it from what people think of as a passive activity into a into an active activity. And that's really where I've seen the most success with uh, with learners. Yeah. And I just wanted to to remark that in my case, I listen to many different podcasts and you also mentioned the different accents that you are able to listen to. And yeah, I have found that sometimes it is difficult when you listen to an accent that you are not familiar with, but then after a time, then you get used to it or you, you get to know it and then it becomes very easy to understand. And, mm. and this is so beautiful in my opinion, because yeah, like a couple of years before you were only able to listen to, to a few accents. Nowadays you're able to, to listen to the whole world. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> Indeed. And I, and I think that the, uh, one of the other many advantages of podcasts is that anyone anywhere in the world can listen to any kind of accent, listen to anyone talking about anything. And so really there's, there's no excuse to, to not be getting, uh, that level of input because also podcasts are free to listen to, right? So there's, there's, there's no cost. There's no kind of waiting. It's very easy to do. Um, it's an open source kind of a protocol. So anyone can get it on any app and it's, uh, it's just so easy to start. And one of the mistakes I think, and I, I don't like to criticize, but uh, I think it is a uh, is a mistake. Um, one of the mistakes that I often see is people thinking that they can just only talk, and and that will um, kind of the more they talk, the more they will improve, and the more they will uh, kind of build their vocabulary and things like that. Um, uh, that's especially a mistake with non-native speakers who are just talking to other non-native speakers, and that's something I see quite a lot in in Malta. So there's lots of people from you know from all over the world. Who are only practicing English with each other. Of course, speaking is is a good thing to be doing, and I think that's that's great. But you have to combine that with input from native speakers, where you are you are really learning how native speakers use language. So you're you're picking up um, all of these different kind of words and phrases, sentence structures that are used by actual native speakers, which you can then use in your own speech. So my kind of my ideal diet, I guess, from a, a language learning perspective is for someone to uh, listen to multiple podcasts um, and use that as a source of input, right? Um, so you're, you're picking up new words and phrases from these podcasts that you're listening to, but then you're making sure that you put them, you put that into practice. There's an example I talked about on one recent episode of um, of a German lady who I spoke to who makes a, a, a particular note of in every podcast episode she listens to, 
she says, right, I'm going to, I'm going to write down five or 10 interesting words or phrases in my little notebook. And then when it comes to my conversation classes, I'm going to make sure that I tick off, um, I tick off those words or phrases because that's how you really build your, your vocabulary, right? It's not just, yeah. it's not just listening and kind of hoping that somewhere in the background, you'll be able to remember it when you want to use it. You need to start using it uh, as soon as possible and as frequently as possible. Yeah, actually, I like that. And also, I made some notes from, from one of your episodes. For example, you said something like, let's get cracking in one of mm. your episodes. So and, I noted and you it said down. that just now. <laughs> yes, and, <laughs> and I used it here. But it was the very first time that I used this expression, right? And even though I knew what it meant before, I didn't use it actively. Mm -hmm. But by doing so now, I think that it's a great way to implement it in my speaking, right? And also you mentioned about taking notes. So my question is, when it comes to apps and podcast players, what tools or apps should we use to get the most out of it? So my, my honest answer is I don't think it matters. There's lots of different podcast apps. I use, I, I use several. Um, what they will allow you to do is, you know, add almost any podcast to the, the app, play, you know, obviously play the episode, normally play it at different speeds as well, which can be useful if you if you struggle to catch a particular you know if you're speaking too fast then you can slow them down similarly if you want to give yourself a bit of a challenge you can speed it up the the difficulty with inbuilt podcast players is uh, unless i'm mistaken none of them will have kind of transcripts or subtitles facility inbuilt so if you're looking for that kind of stuff then you probably need to use a, a, a website that has has that in it. So a, a a podcast that is built for language learners. So um, not to sound overly promotional, but that is that that's why one of the reasons why I started my podcast to have all of that kind of functionality, so that people can use it as a language learning resource. But having said that, the um, the podcast players are excellent for discovering new episodes and for um and for listening and i would certainly use those as uh, use those as a kind of uh, as a way to listen and do stuff like t take notes and uh, and kind of work with what you're listening with yeah in my case i try to not break my flow when i am listening to an episode i try to enjoy it and then if i come across one expression then I make a mark or a remark. And then after I have listened, I go deep dive. And as I, as you mentioned before, to make it like a st more structured that or m more conscious, let's say, and that I work with it. So there are two components. One is getting a lot of input that I really enjoy. And then of course I will learn something, but the real power comes when I use the same source and then focus on just certain elements or certain parts. 
that's at least how how I try to do it, and for me, it works. <laughs> and 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 I think that is completely not that there is a right or a wrong way to do it, yep. but but I think that is how I do it as well. So you're you're first listening for enjoyment because you know you find a conversation interesting or you're learning about uh, you're learning about something that interests you, and then you can recap and kind of listen through with your. Uh, kind of super looking out for words or expressions. And what I always advise people to do, especially if they're listening to a podcast that is that is sort of that is less conversational, that has more specific vocabulary, is to listen out for not for weird words that you might not encounter in in kind of normal speech, but listen out for ways in which people kind of start and end sentences, let's say, or native type of expressions. So you gave the example of saying, let's get cracking. That's, that, that's, that's not a, a, a kind of, that's not a strange word. It's a way to move from one idea to another. And I think, I, I think podcasts can be excellent for uh, learning those kinds of expressions that just make you sound more natural in yeah. in a language and that we can't find in any textbook usually yeah yeah uh, plus it would be really boring to learn those types of things in a textbook and and you probably wouldn't learn the right context anyway so i think that's the kind of stuff that that you can really you can really get from podcasts that it's hard to get elsewhere yeah and what skills can be improved by listening to podcasts we kind of touched on different <laughs> things already, but maybe you can wrap it up again. So I think what most people believe is listening to podcasts only improves their listening skills. And that is, of course, true. I think if you're doing something that is predominantly listening, then your listening skills will, will improve. But there's lots of other kind of components of that. And there are also other skills that it will help you develop. So first off, it will help you with your pronunciation because if you don't understand the difference between different sounds, then you're not going to be able to pronounce them correctly. And so one thing that I always advise people to do is pay particular attention to how different sounds are pronounced and how people go from you know, one word to another, because that, if you start noticing these kinds of things, then when it comes to recreating those sounds and, and saying those words yourself, you'll have a much better chance at pronouncing them correctly. So, uh, so listening is a fundamental part of pronunciation and some people don't quite appreciate that. So, so in terms of what it helps you improve, it certainly helps you improve listening. It helps you improve your pronunciation. If you spend time and effort focusing on the, on kind of vocabulary development and on listening to specific words or phrases, then it's going to help build your vocabulary far more quickly than uh, just going through a vocabulary book or even just having conversations with other non-native speakers about uh, kind of day-to-day -day things because if you're listening to podcasts, you might build more natural type of, more natural vocabulary and potentially also more specific vocabulary. There's 
there's other elements to podcasts as well. And there's other activities that can be done with podcasts as well in terms of things like shadowing, which which is something that I've seen a lot of people having success with. For, for those of your listeners who don't know what shadowing is, it's a, it's a technique where you listen to a piece of audio and then very shortly after, or even at the same time, you repeat exactly what the, the person has said. So you're essentially parroting, you're, you're, you're copying what, um, what that native speaker has said. And that can be excellent for building fluency and confidence because you're essentially, uh, you're doing what a native speaker is doing. And, you know, that is one definition of, of fluency, right? Of, of speaking like a native speaker. So, uh, so podcasts, especially if they come with transcripts, can be incredibly useful for that because it's, it's kind of the ideal resource. You're copying a a real piece of native text and you have the transcript in front of you to 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 help you so you don't have to transcribe it and then uh, you're kind of cutting out one step so yeah. so i see i see a lot of people actually um uh kind of using podcasts for their shadowing benefits i am one of them and Great. it's a very powerful way but of course you you need to do it cons consistently right then it's really powerful. So it comes down to be mindful. It doesn't serve you if you shadow four hours and then you stop for two months right now. Mm. It's not how it, it's going to work. <laughs> you said at the start that I was allowed to ask you some questions. Of um, course, of course. What, what, did you find it difficult to get into shadowing? And did it seem strange to you at the start? Yes, it seemed very strange at the start, <laughs> but it's just a matter of getting familiar with it. But then after a time, it's really a thing that I like because, because you see the results, right? And very quickly, and that makes you very confident. And what I suggest is to take a walk. So you can do an activity and then you can speak to yourself so to say so you get your exercise and maybe also in a place where nobody can see you then <laughs> then it's it's all good but yes in the beginning it was very awkward <laughs> but i think you are a a testament a prime example of the the kind of benefits of this kind of activity both for your fluency and confidence. I'm sure. Thank you so much, Alistair. <laughs> I well, I'm not sure because we don't know each other so well. But I I imagine that if you if you hadn't done this kind of activity, then it would be a lot harder for you to start a podcast in English as a non-native speaker. And and I'm sure that some some part of your confidence and fluency can be attributed to these these activities you've been doing yes i would say so yes of course <laughs> i like your your idea of walking around and uh, and going in a in a quiet place i remember seeing i uh, the the man who sort of invented i guess the the concept of shadowing i think his name is alexander Argay or something he's I, I, awesome I, 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 yeah I, I probably 
I probably mispronounced or forgotten his surname, but I can remember vividly seeing a clip of him kind of marching up and down, doing shadowing in Mandarin, I think, and uh, and thinking, okay, that that's that's a that's a serious exercise. And so I would not necessarily say to everyone that they need to be taking it as seriously as this man who you know was marching around in almost a kind of military way yeah. <laughs> but uh, but that's perhaps something to aim for i will put the link to this video in the show notes because i i remember this uh, video clip and it's really great and uh, yeah in general what alexander is doing is is just fantastic i find mm. yeah and i know that you are not a fan of the ipa system the international phonetic alphabet but can you tell us why you are not such a fan of it? Uh, I uh, uh, to to recap, it's not that I am not a fan of it, um, uh, kind of per se. I, I think it serves an excellent purpose, and and and, and I'm kind of very happy that it that it exists. What I don't necessarily agree with is that it that people need to kind of become masters of it before working on their pronunciation and my uh my questions about it or rather my kind of fear is that people some people i've spoken to feel like they can't work on their pronunciation until they they kind of know ipa and for lots of people especially in europe they won't have learned it at school and it can look a kind of bit familiar it's different looks like a different alphabet and so for someone who who isn't aware of it it makes pronunciation seem uh, yeah. daunting and difficult and hard to approach whereas the reality is that pronunciation is simply you know creating sounds from our mouths and it's a question of listening carefully and kind of noticing where your tongue and your teeth and and all the things in your mouth go and uh, and kind of working on pronouncing those sounds now ipa of course is is helpful for cataloging how different sounds work and it can be very useful for people who uh, especially who come from uh, from east east asia let's say where the sound patterns can be very different uh, so it, it can be very useful for some people but i think for people who don't know don't know IPA and are kind of thinking, do I need to should I be learning this to to work on my pronunciation? I don't think it is that um that important for most people. And there are certainly ways in which you can do excellent work on your pronunciation without uh without knowing it. Thank you very much. So let's move on to our next topic, which is Leonardo English. And first, <laughs> I wanted to talk about your podcast, English Learning for Curious Minds, but actually the project is called Leonardo English. Maybe you could make some kind of an introduction. What is Leonardo English? Sure. So Leonardo English is a company I started Oh, was it in October of 2019? So almost two and a half years ago. And the the whole kind of philosophy 
of of it, the, the mission is to help people improve their English in a more interesting way. So in uh, in a way that is different and more engaging and more interesting than than what pe- most people's experience of learning English at, at school. Um, so uh, the, the the kind of first product, our, 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 our main thing is uh, English Learning for Curious Minds, which is a podcast. I make two episodes a week. We're at almost 250 episodes now. The, the idea is we create um, engaging sort of 20, 25 minute episodes on interesting stories, people's lives, things from history, that kind of explain us of how things work. Um, and we provide all of the learning materials that help people um, understand uh, kind of more difficult phrases and use the podcasts as a way to learn, really. Um, so use we create all of the learning materials that come along with them. So yeah, I've been doing that for two and a half years now. It's it started off, you know, very small, probably just my mother listening to it. And now there are, you know, lots and lots of people um, from all over the world who are listening to it. And it's become it's become quite a quite a big thing, which is which is great. I'm super happy to see that it's helping people, and that they are enjoying uh, listening and learning with it. What inspired you to create Leo? No, it's not Leo. It's Leonardo English. Sorry, Leonardo English. So really, my own experience with um, with language learning, and I approached it with the perspective of. I, I'm quite easily bored by um, kind of conversational stuff, and I would I would love to have had something that basically was Leonardo English, but in French and Italian when I was when I was uh, at university. And I figured if I can if I can make uh, podcasts that allow people to learn something. Uh, learn something weird and wonderful about the world at the same time as improving their English, then that would be something that I would have liked. Now, perhaps I'm not unique, so I'm going to create some episodes and see whether anyone listens to it. Um, and that's how it got started. And and I haven't stopped. So th- that's kind of where we are at the moment. And uh, this year, I'm planning on creating some uh, kind of different styles of um, of podcasts as well. We'll probably have a uh, kind of fictional one. Um, so oh, great. <laughs> uh, so so different stories and working on some courses as well. That that, that all kind of that all drive together in this mission of helping people improve their English in in a more interesting way. So so, so trying to uh, trying to create engaging uh, and interesting content that allows people to learn something more than just language. And by the way, congratulations to your 1 million downloads. <laughs> ah, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, uh it, it seems strange to to think that there's so many people who have listened and have enjoyed enjoyed it, but I guess that really is the power of uh, uh, uh podcasts that you can create something and people from all over the world can listen to it. And uh, and hopefully enjoy it, and and it helps them on their own English journey. 
Yeah, and when I discovered your podcast, um, I, I mean, I, I know it from the very beginning, and I yeah, just yeah, knew you're, it. You're, you're, an, you're an, early, uh, an early fan, so thank you for your continued support. Exactly, and I just knew it that it would blow off, or how do we say it correctly? I knew that uh, it would succeed, right? So, <laughs> Well, that's very kind of you. I, uh, I, I didn't know it. Um, and I think it's still, it's still very small compared to how, uh, you know, how many, how many people I think can benefit from it. So, you know, there are, I think something like one and a half billion people learning English around the world, of course, uh, of course, to different kind of, uh, levels and uh, different ages and all these things. But there's so many people who are actively working on their English. And there's so many people who are in this stage of um probably feeling like they should be working on their english they should be improving it whether it's for work reasons or family reasons or just because they they want to you know they want to start they want to start accessing a course in english or just for personal interest and also people who have perhaps not had such a great experience of learning english at school um so you know so many people so my my view is that this you know this podcast is is absolutely tiny compared to how um how many people it could potentially help yeah we we will talk again in one year and then it will be <laughs> even 10 millions maybe who knows i i yeah it's um it, it, it's very strange and uh uh yeah I, I, i'm just very happy to, to see that it's it's helping people and that people continue to listen um because I guess if 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 people didn't like it then they just stop yeah <laughs> I noted down some of the episodes I mean the name of some of your episodes and I want to read it out okay so Diego Maradona 146 then a history of Wikipedia 190 uh, it's just I have to, to listen to it afterwards because these are topics which I am interested in. And this is a great way because, I mean, this is fantastic because there are so many different topics. So there is something for, for everyone, right? So another one is The Real Peaky Blinders, 220. Mm. And this is actually a Netflix series. And they they are speaking in a very uh how shall i say it in a peculiar way with a with an accent which is maybe not um known to a lot of people but i yeah, kind of love that <laughs> they they speak in what's called a, a brummy accent so it's from from birmingham and another one is the great sting 233 and here i am wondering <laughs> what is it about the great stink so the, the that is about a period in uh, in the history of london i'm going to try and remember the date i think it's 1858 i'm pretty sure it's 1858 when there essentially there was a huge uh, a, a huge stink caused a, a terrible smell because of all of the the sewage all of the waste uh, it's going to sound a bit disgusting uh, disgusting all of the the, the waste urine and feces that had been um, poured into the Thames 
and there was a heat wave and it just kind of evaporated and the whole river kind of blocked and it was imagine if your kind of toilet has flushed but an entire city's toilet has flushed into the river and then just just stuck there so this episode is about that period in history it also talks about how that caused the um uh the city of london to change its plumbing system like all all the sewage system underneath the city uh, and and is a kind of funny I guess not so funny at the time because it was a terrible smell, but is an in, is an interesting story about how one particular event kind of changed changed the underground of of this massive city. And how do you even come up with these topics? Lots of people ask me that actually, and there is literally no kind of special kind of process or anything about that. I have a huge list of things that I think would be interesting and whenever I read about something or I like someone tells me about something that I think oh that could be a nice uh, a nice episode I just add it to the list and then when I need to to write some more I choose from that big list and I start writing so in terms of how I actually choose them there's really no science other than uh, other than things that I think are interesting That I that I would like to listen to, uh, yeah. And, and I and they also I allow people to submit um, requests for episodes that they they would like to listen to as well. So in fact, some of my favorite ones have been requests from listeners who say, um, "Alistair, I would love for you to make a podcast about one." For example, was Fordlandia, which is this huge huge Ford rubber plant that was created in Brazil in i think the late 1920s and i i can't tell you what episode that is 120 or something um anyway that was a request from a listener and some of my favorite episodes have come from listener requests yeah i see and how exactly does the process look like i mean do you gather all the information you read a lot and then you just write it down or how does it yeah. work so i do a lot of research i'll i'll read heavily into the subject um sometimes listen to i listen to if there's interesting podcasts about the about the subject or you know videos on youtube or these kinds of things mainly it's uh, it's articles and books and then i will I'll kind of outline what i think is an interesting take on the subject so it's it's always a delicate balance between providing a kind of chronological history and telling an interesting story so uh, so it's been it's been something i think i've got better at over the, over time now when i listen to the first like the first i don't know 50 episodes or something i feel a little bit a bit embarrassed about it because but because i think the the most recent ones are a lot better but but what i what i try and do is is find the most interesting elements of a story and talk about that rather than just doing a kind of chronological account of a subject and then yeah i i i write it i i uh, spend i spend a few days not looking at it and then i come back to it i, I redraft it and then record it and that's it 
Okay, I see. And so you recorded podcast for two years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give or take. And as you mentioned before, nowadays your podcast is way better than before. I mean, this is what, what your I, perception I, I, is. Uh, uh, yes, I, I, I think it is in, in every respect, including kind of even silly things like audio quality and yeah. uh, editing, which... Uh, which I I, I I was terrible at the start. I'm now a little bit better. And I actually have, there's an awesome guy who edits the podcasts for me now, which is, which is good because I'm not, I'm not really good at it myself. And I listened on your episode. You mentioned something like you had about 250 interviews. These were all members. Yeah, 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 indeed. So this is also great. I mean, this is a, a huge amount of interviews and could you also improve your, your interview techniques and so on? Or what did you learn from, from conducting all of these interviews? So, um, most of these, these interviews, they're just introduction, introductory calls with people who've decided to become, uh, kind of members of Leonardo English. So just to clarify what that is, the, the kind of business of Leonardo English is we have a membership where people can subscribe. They pay a, a, either a monthly or a, a annual fee to get access to all of the bonus episodes and all the learning materials. So we make one episode free for everyone a, a week. But if you want to get two a week, or if you want to get the transcript and the vocabulary and the subtitles, and also a kind of uh, access our community and come to events and things like that then there's a there's a membership fee and for people who sign up for the year membership i do it like a introductory call the objective of that is to is to kind of find out how podcasts can fit into their own language goals because people have very different yeah. reasons for wanting to learn english and they've got very different um skills they're trying to develop like a coaching. I guess it's more like a coaching, yeah. Was it difficult sometimes to understand all the different accents? I mean, these are all people from all over the world and you may not have heard some of 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 uh, these accents. Um I I can't think of a time where it was particularly difficult just because the majority of people who have decided to become members are kind of intermediate to high intermediate already and their speaking is tends to be quite good so i, I haven't found it difficult to to understand anyone yet and, and i think i also um some some native english speakers are really bad at understanding non-native accents um i you know i i, I live in a, in a country with lots of non-native speakers and I, I, I my, my wife is a non-native speaker and I spend a lot of time speaking to people in English who's, you know, who are using English as a second language. So I, I think I've developed my skills a little bit at understanding what people are trying to say. So yeah, I haven't had any trouble so far. Okay. So what about if someone is a beginner? So is this too hard for beginners uh english learning for curious minds the, yes, the podcast the podcast yeah so I, I think it is a bit too hard for beginners because it's um 
it is sort of native level, but spoken more clearly and with harder words explained. And all of the learning materials are in English. So it does require a kind of intermediate or above level of English. Yeah, I, I would not recommend it for a, a beginner because I think it would be um, too difficult. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And what about the forum? Because members are allowed to be part of a forum. So what is the forum? It's essentially a, a way for people to a place for people to discuss um, parts of episodes. We run challenges that uh, that will go through there as well. Can you give an example of, of a challenge? Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, there was quite a fun one that we did last year, um, uh, which was all around kind of vocabulary building. I think it was a month. Every three days, there was 10 different kind of slightly unusual words or phrases that were provided to people in the challenge. And they then had to write a, a piece of text, I think maximum 250 or 300 words using those words or phrases. So it was a, a fun thing for, for people to take part in. Plus everyone who was taking part could see everyone else's text. So one really one really fun thing that happened was that people started creating stories and finishing each other's stories and the characters were, uh, were kind of interacting with each other. And it was a really fun way of, uh, of kind of using language. Um, and I know lots of people were kind of waiting very eagerly for the next task to come out. And, and it was a very good way of kind of building community because I think for, for lots of people, language learning can seem like quite a, a kind of solitary activity, quite a, a lonely activity, especially for people who you know, are independent language learners, not living in an English speaking country. Uh, and so it's, it's just nice for people to know that there are other people who are going on the same journey, who have the same struggles. And if there are you know, multiple people that can support each other, it just makes the process a lot easier uh, and a lot more fun. Yeah, and I could imagine that some of your members became eager to start their own podcast. So did that happen? Um, I don't know, actually. Uh, I, I, I'm not quite sure. I do encourage people to, to, to record themselves and to kind of uh, use the podcasts as a way of uh, kind of practicing recording themselves and recording their thoughts. I don't know whether anyone has taken the next step and been as brave as, uh, uh, as you have and actually <laughs> kind of hit the publish button uh, as well as not just the record button. Um, but, but, but I think I would definitely, if anyone is listening, uh, if any Leonardo English members are listening, then I would definitely encourage you to start. I will be a listener. Uh, and I'm sure other people will be as well. Awesome. So where can we find you on the internet? Uh, uh, on the internet, the place for uh, Leonardo English is leonardoenglish.com. Uh, if you want to listen to English Learning for Curious Minds, it's available wherever you get your podcasts. So whether that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or 
iVooks or, or, or anything like that. That's it really. I mean, we're also on Instagram and things, but I mainly direct people to the website. I think that's the best place okay. to, to keep in touch. We've got, there's a newsletter and things. So leonardoenglish.com forward slash newsletter, I think is the best place to be completely updated with everything that's going on. In any case, I will put the links to the show notes. So, yeah. <laughs> Do you have any favorite expression in English? So I, I know you, um, you mentioned before that this might be a question that would come up. I, uh, instead of saying a favorite expression, I wanted to add a favorite word with numerous um, kind of varieties of it. So uh, perhaps some of your listeners know this already, but the, the word set in English, according to the Guinness World Records, has 430 different meanings, depending on, uh, on kind of what you add before or after it, and also the context. So things like all set, set up, set go, set it right, um, kind of uh, set up, that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I think yeah. is I, I think it, it can seem so confusing, um, and this sort of uh, mixture of phrasal verbs and and idioms is it, tough. But I think it's uh, sort of one of the nice things, one of the sort of weirdly beautiful things about the English language that you have these these sort of different building blocks of words, and when you kind of add uh, add different blocks together in different permutations then it completely changes changes the changes the meaning um i i did have a, a, in addition to this kind of favorite word i did have two two uh two kind of least favorite words that i that i wanted to wanted to add and one is something that native speakers are often terrible at they use this word far too much and that's literally and the, the, they you know they, they It's very common to see people use that in in a wrong sense, really saying like uh, he he was literally dying of laughter or those kinds of things, which which I think is just it makes me feel it makes me cringe if if you know that expression. <laughs> it's like uh, it, 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 it's a it's a very strange mm -hmm. uh, use of language. And then my other thing, my other little personal battle was with you know people on. YouTube or Instagram or, or or things like that, telling non-native speakers that they should stop saying words like very or don't say good, say marvelous or fantastic, or don't say yeah. very, say say incredibly or, or or you know magnificently or things like that. I think non-native speakers should continue saying very and good, and they should be very happy to say very good because that is how people speak. And I know that some slightly artificial language exams like IELTS or things like that perhaps punish you for, for using these kinds of words or phrases. But, but ultimately, you will sound a lot more natural if you start yeah. saying things like very, very good <laughs> rather than say like incredibly fantastic. It just sounds very, very, very strange. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know how many times every day I say, very or i say good and uh, and that is not due to not knowing these other words or not kind of not not having them in my vocabulary it's it's that very and good uh, and words like that are in many cases the most appropriate 
words for what you're trying to communicate. And, and ultimately, the role of language is to communicate an idea from one person to another. And these simple words are often the most effective way of doing that. Yes. So, so my, my last passing thought uh, is my favorite expression, not very good, of course, but is, is saying to people that, that you can mainly ignore anyone who tells you to stop saying very. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that very much because we shouldn't overcomplicate it, right? As you said, communication is uh, important. And thank you very much. It was really great chatting to you. And do you want to add something in the end? I would just like to say thank you so much to you for inviting me onto this. And I think what you're, what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. I, I would certainly not have the confidence that you have to have started a, a podcast in a language that's not my native language. And, uh, and you're doing an absolutely fantastic job. So I think you are an inspiration to, to any non-native speaker. You should be super happy with what you're doing. And, and I think, yeah, you should be very proud of yourself. Thank you very much. That is really kind of you. And it took me more than two years to begin with the podcast project because I was so scared. <laughs> but, but now but, I am glad that I did it, that I am still doing. Perhaps your example is just a, is a fantastic example to other people that once you start doing, doing anything, the vast majority of people will support you and think that you're doing a great job. And most, uh, sorry, most is perhaps the wrong word, but lots of people are fearful of speaking in English because they think they'll be judged for their accent or for saying the wrong word or, uh, or, or, or just for kind of, for not sounding as natural as they do in their mother tongue. But really, people are, 99.9% .9 of people will be impressed and support you. So I, I think that's a really important sort of switch in mentality it's for language learners to realize that, uh, that you're doing a very, you're doing a very good thing and no one is going to be judging you or, or, or thinking that you're bad or anything for, for, for speaking. Uh, mistakes are natural and you should just continue and uh, take inspiration from, from you, Daniel. Thank you very much. And yes, thank you very much also for creating Leonardo English. And yeah, keep it going. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Thanks. Bye. Bye.